So here it is, wine list perusing. I tell you what, Rich, this uh, a Riesling catches my eye. Why? Because me and Louise, my lovely wife, we've been enjoying since Dr. Lucen, remember, from season one? Yeah. yeah, sushi, wasn't it? Sushi, yes, for the sort of sweeter one. But we've, enjoying, we've been enjoying all sorts of Riesling since then. So why not? Would it be okay if I just tested one here at Gordon's? It's the Einstein's Alsace France. And it's dry, elegant, and it's also giving me some tasting notes, which is, means I'm going to cheat. Mineral, apple, and lime. Light to medium, full-bodied, 12%, which is, I think, our minimum, isn't it, that we find acceptable? I think so. Are you happy with that? I can feel a Riesling ep coming on. I'll let's order it. Okay, Oliver, in my hand here, my mitts. Yes, indeed. A rather splendid glass, well filled of that dry Alsace Riesling you were just talking about. Got it. Get your laughing gear around that. Tell me what you think. I'm doing the swirl, which I'm now an expert at, and I'm doing it without uh, wasting it all on my wrist. I'm cheating a bit because I'd already read the wine list. But What does it smell of, Dibba? What does it smell of? There's that mineralogy there that I know so well. I can't say it smells elegant, as it says on the wine list, but... Oh, it smells lovely, actually. And is that citrus? If there is, it's very gentle. Do you want to have a smell? Let me have a go. Yes, lovely. Not especially floral, but it's really lemony, grapefruity, peachy, stone fruit. Give it a sip. I'm going to have one more go, because I think I smell apple. Yeah, I definitely smell apple in there. Crispy, crunchy, Granny Smith's. Right, I'm going to take a sip. Oh, that is lovely. That is so dry. Much drier than I expected. Oh, it's really nice. Definitely, definitely 100% apples. Apples are bouncing out of that glass into my gobble. Oliver, you've passed the first Riesling test, but, my dear boy, lovely though this is, we've got to pop down the road to Pall Mall because guess what? There's a Riesling tasting going on at a little wine place I know that's going to feature our friend Dr. Lucen. So, drink up, on we go. Good Lord, it's a real adventure. Rich, what, what on earth are we up to here? I was very struck by your interest and pleasure of the Riesling in season one. It struck a chord and I thought that was good because apart from the fact you couldn't pronounce Riesling, um, but you can now. Riesling. Riesling, Riesling, Riesling. I don't think you knew much about that great variety before, was that right? Yeah, I was put off, wasn't I? Like a lot of people are, thinking it was going to be too sweet for me or something. And German wines are never, never top of the list. Uh, and you converted me, basically, and took away that cynicism. And now I'm a Riesling fan. And the reason we're here at um, 67 Pall Mall, this rather fine wine establishment in um, St. James's, is because, well, they love their Rieslings here. In fact, if you ask a sommelier, generally speaking, what is their favourite great variety most of them will say Riesling what really yeah and again there's a massive public disconnect with Riesling for the reason like you were disconnected with it you thought it was kind of a bit medium sweet not sure what it was I've spoken to people that just think oh no Riesling oh it's dry it's German 
it's not very nice or they think of Liebfrau Milch or something which isn't really Riesling, that's another great variety. The point about Riesling is it's complex. Yes, it can be dry and restrained and a bit kind of uptight and German businessman, if you like, <laughs> but it can be really expressive. It can be peachy, it can be tropical, it, it can be really exotic, it can be dry, it can be fully lusciously sweet, medium sweet, off dry. Basically, Riesling can be so many different things. And I think that's why people don't understand it, because they just don't know quite know what it is. And perhaps they ha had a not particularly good experience. And that's why I thought, based on our little touch of Riesling and sushi in season one, we should come to 67 Pall Mall, and we're going to taste a flight of six Rieslings of. Yeah, and they're all in front of us. But actually, before we do that, just come back to something you said. And maybe we'll have to revisit some of the season one stuff. You said it's kind of versatile. You, 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 you said what a versatile grape. Is that because it depends on how the grape has grown, what the season's been like, or there are different types of the grape, or it's manufacturing different ways that makes it so versatile? Where, where does the um, versatility come from? It comes from the vineyard, for the beauty of the earth, remember season one? Definitely. How ripe the grapes get will determine, if you like, the style, what you're tasting the Riesling to be. So if the Riesling grapes are just ripe, and let's say, you know, and often it's grown in cool parts of Germany. If they only just get the grapes a little bit ripe, it might only taste of maybe a bit of sharp lemon, a bit of apple, and that's about it. But where you get some really good ripening, and, and in Germany, although it's a cool country, you know, like Britain, you know, similar latitude to Britain, you often get these kind of Indian summers, kind of good autumns in this part of the world. And if you get that then the Riesling grapes actually can stay on the vine for longer. And with that extra ripening they're getting in September, October, then you're getting these flavours and aromas from the grapes that you wouldn't get if you were picking them in August or September. And that's when you're getting stone fruit, peach, apricot, tropical, melon. A lot of the taste of Riesling is from the grape variety because the other, to answer the other bit of your question, you don't do much funky winemaking. Because Riesling is so aromatic, it smells uh, of all these lovely fruity flavours, it's quite pungent when you smell it. You don't drown it in oak and do all those other funny things you do with grape varieties like Chardonnay, because you don't need to. You want Riesling to express itself, and it really, really ultimately comes from the vineyard. And then your decision is, and this is important, Riesling always has really high acidity, which a lot of people don't like. And so often, stylistically, you get winemakers who make the Rieslings a little bit sweet just to balance out the really high acidity. Because if you have super high acidity, it can make your tummy feel a bit funny. But if you, actually, <laughs> if you can actually make a little off dry or medium sweet just by maybe stopping the fermentation, by filtering the yeast out, when you've still got some sweetness there from the grapes, you're actually balancing high acidity with the sweetness, and that's where a lot of the artistry in making Riesling comes from. So basically, in summary, Riesling is aromatic, interesting, complex, can be dry, off-dry, medium-sweet, fully sweet, and... I right think in front of us. And let's get involved. Yeah, let's do that. What a great answer that was. Full, a full-bodied answer, <laughs> uh, leading to the uh, can we try it now uh, Just to describe a little bit, of course, because I, I can see the wines, they all are surprisingly different in shade. They all look like... Um, the wee from someone who's relatively healthy, uh, except number six, which looks like the wee from someone who maybe drank too much last night and needs a bit more OJ. It's slightly more deeper colour. But the others, I would say, represent the produce of a fairly healthy bladder. So fairly pale yellow, I'd say.
Excellent. Oh, and I think let's taste wine number one, which happily is from our friend Dr. Lucen. Oh, I remember him. Dry Riesling from the Mosel, which is, people have heard of the Mosel. It's quite a well-known area in Germany. And it's 2020, so it's fairly young. Let's have a little sip. This is pale lemon, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's called the Dr. Lucen Red Slate Dry Riesling. The soils in the Mosel are very slaty. And there's this thing about, they think that the slaty soil can, you can almost not exactly taste the soil, but maybe has a little effect. Let's see if this tastes a little bit stony when we taste it. Let's have a sip. Do you notice the drive, the nervy acidity that Riesling has? It will make you salivate, but it also, I'm hoping, will be a bit fruity as well. Let's have a sip. I just did have a sip as you were uh, talking. Certainly fruity. Yes, it's clearly acidic. There's something going on there. And as usual, it's a taste that I can't describe. I don't have the right adjective. What did you just say? You said, you said what, arrogant, impudent? No, what was the word you used? Nervy. Uh, how can you relate that to a taste? Oh, oh, well, only because I think the acidity in Riesling is just so present. The more you taste wine, the more you recognise it. Acidity is how fresh the wine tastes, how much you salivate when you sip it. And it gives real structure to the wine. There's a backbone. It's almost like a, a real, when I say it's nervy, it's got energy. Because it's the acidity that's making it really fresh and vibrant. Without the acidity in this wine, it would just taste flabby. I got you. You can say that about all wine. So not just Riesling, but Riesling always has this penetrating, nervy acidity that gives the wine real drive, I think. It's not just sitting back and being flabby. It's saying, come and taste me, I've got something to say. <laughs> like Alice in Wonderland. Can I be controversial? I'm not absolutely blown away by the aftertaste. And that's totally final, because what I think we're tasting on the fruit side, we're definitely getting a kind of stone fruits. It tastes quite peachy, yeah. apricotty to me, maybe a bit of melon as well as well as some really ripe apple, definitely some citrus. When you taste the high acidity, you immediately think of lemons because of the acidity. Definitely got all that going on. What I would say, Oliver, is there's a rather stony sensation. There's a kind of wet stones minerality about this wine. And dare I say, that is a potential terroir influence of the red slate, the soil where these vines are grown in the Mosul. I think we are tasting a terroir influence that you don't like very much. No, I totally accept that. You don't think we're being influenced too much by the name? No, we might be making a little bit of a leap there. This really does taste stony. Yes, it's fruity and it's got those lovely fruity flavours, but there's another quality to this wine that isn't fruity. And it's quite dry and it's quite stony and minerally. Yeah, there's minerally, I get, and I don't, yeah, I, I can't love it yet, but you never know. I'm not saying I'm tasting red slate. That would be led by the title. All I'm saying is there's something stony about this wine. No, I can see why you're saying that. Do you like it? If I'm really honest, I find the acidity a bit tough because the Mosul is the coolest region of Germany and I generally like the Rieslings from the Mosul to have a little bit of sweetness yeah. to balance the acidity. Maybe that's what, well, that's what seduced I, me last time, I don't I'm know. Finding just, I do just find the Mosul dry Mosul a little bit tough. It's quite ascetic, it's very lean, it's quite angular. It's, you know, the purists, the Somms will love it. Is this a really friendly wine? Don't think so. All right, let's move on. Two, three, four, five, six. This is all about your impression of the wines. I'm slightly anxious, I have to admit. Ridiculous. I'll absolutely go for it. I, I trust your judgment. Okay, all. Back to the wines. Now we've um, been reintroduced to Dr. Lucy. Only five wines left, all, and that's not many, mate. That's not many. When I get dragged to these trade tastings, which actually I don't generally like, 
I think tasting wine outside the context of conversation and food and all the things we talked about is not easy, actually. Oh, a point you've made loads of times. I really uh, appreciate that as well, and, yeah. And I've gone to tastings where I've tasted a hundred wines. Oh. I mean, you're spitting, obviously, you're spitting all the time, but it just becomes so dull. Yeah. And your palate just gets wrecked, your, sen- your sensitivity becomes less. So although, don't feel daunted by the fact we've got five Rieslings left. No, no, no. I think a man of your, your stature. An Aussie one next. Let's taste the two. next one. Riesling number two of. Wow. Oh my goodness me, the acid. So there are commonalities with the last one. Um, and it's almost the aftertaste is stronger than the last one. You described it as slaty. I'm starting to understand why. Maybe it's even drier than the last one. I think you're right. So number three, Austria. Rather Australia. Okay. And this is the Algram Geisberg Riesling Erstlag Kamptal. Okay. It's an Austrian Riesling. Kamptal is the region which is near the Danube in Austria where this wine comes from. What do you think of it all? Like it. I smelt it and there was less of that slaty which I wasn't loving. Smelling fruitier and it's tasting nice. And I'm going to try and identify some fruit here. Maybe grapefruit. I think lots of grapefruit. Ah, good. Lots of, lots of citrus. Lots of peach as well, stone fruit. That is by far and away, by far and away, my favourite so far. It doesn't mm. have that, that um, what you would call minerality. Miner- minerality. I agree. It I like is, it. It's a gentler, it's a rounder, fruitier Riesling. Still got that nervy backbone of acidity. Sorry to keep saying nervy, but what I mean is it, it really, really, I think, gives the wine some vibrancy, this acidity. I won't say any more about acidity. I think... I know what you mean, but I can't pretend I 100% do. But that's that's sort of what happens when you have a new descriptive word or a new word that you've never heard before. You need to see it in context. I think what I'm basically saying is, I think because of the acidity, which gives it a slightly tingly aspect, it's very structural acidity, gives the wine a sense of energy. If we were now tasting a lovely peachy Viognier, which we love, it's quite oily. We tasted a Viognier Marsan, do you remember? Yeah. The hermit crab. And I, I absolutely love I'm it and, yeah. and it's lovely we wouldn't be talking about nervy acidity we'd be talking about laid back sitting on the couch watching telly life's pretty easy whereas I think with Riesling it's a bit more neurotic and I think it's the um, the acidity that I wasn't going to mention again <laughs> coming to the fore why yeah. number four old so here we go back to France uh, 2019 Julien Charles it's a volcanique Rongeon GC Riesling from Alsace and I know about Alsace because mm. we mentioned it a lot. I smelt it and I haven't tasted it yet. The slate seems to have come back, but it's a sort of very alcoholic-y slaty, as opposed to a, a sort of on its own slatiness, if that makes sense. Let me have a taste. What the hell is going on there? Something has gone up the back of my nose, which I can't, <laughs> I can't quite put my finger on. Again, the adjectives fail me. Let me have another taste. What is that thing? I don't think it is that as fruity as the last one. It's definitely got that some sort of stoniness going on that you're picking up. So the minerality, the stoniness has returned. Having briefly deserted us in wine number three in Austria, it's come back in Alsace. Alsace, of course, is on the border of Germany, so terroir and climate is similar. It's quite tough in a way, isn't it? What you do tend to find with Alsace Riesling, it's less floral, it's less aromatic than German Riesling. I just think it's GC, by the way, means Grand Cru, oh, which wow. means that they have Grand Cru vineyards that are particularly favourable because they get good ripening. They're facing south, facing the sun, they're on slopes, protected from nasty wind and rain and stuff. 
and that's all very well, but ultimately, do we like the taste of the wine? I'm with you on this, I'm not quite sure. It tastes a bit heavier, it tastes... Heavier, right, 100%. Mm. I actually quite like it. I'm getting a very clear picture of what I like and what I don't of these reasons, good. actually. And guys, this is what it's about. It's not about being academic about wine, it's just being understanding a bit more about what the options are, what the variety is like. We're focusing here on one great variety, Riesling, and you're already seeing how diverse it can be, yeah? Yeah, that is really surprising for me. And what I would say to anybody out there who's a little bit cautious like I am about thinking they know about wine, and they think they don't, and it's a bit sort of embarrassing, and just dive in, say what you think, and as long as you've got someone who knows what they're doing, like Richard, who's kind, and will listen to what you're saying, um, that's what it's all about. If you like it, good. Like you say, enjoy the moment. <laughs> and try and describe what you're tasting. And one thing I have learned is, the more you try that, the more you are able to say, oh yeah, peach, oh yeah, plum, oh, uh, citrus, grapefruit, lemon, orange, things that you, your palate sort of comes alive as it's exercised, if you like. It is fruity, but it's also quite serious and quite stony, but Alsace Riesling often is a bit weird, and I think this is a good example of that. I always want to say fuller. There seems to be just a lot more... It's full-bodied. It's really ah, full-bodied. Right. So the body, the, the, the feel, the mouthfeel is much greater. Often Rieslings are really light-bodied because of the high acidity, often making them feel quite astringent. This has got weight, definitely. It, it's funny that when you're talking about wine, it can sound sometimes quite, not you, but generally, a little pretentious. And it's a little bit like musicians. And I think the reason for that is not that people are trying to be pretentious. It's, again, this thing about words to describe taste, like words to describe sound or a particular noise a, a pedal makes on a guitar. That's a meaty sound, you'd say, or a fuller sound, or a jazzy or other adjectives. It sounds pretentious, but actually it's because we're struggling to find words but that we're trying. We're trying to describe it accurately, and it's really difficult. Yeah, but fun. But and fun, yes, yes, absolutely. So I think this is the point. This is what I say to all my students. Please don't be anxious. And sometimes I can't see their faces, but I know they're looking anxious. I said, guys, you've got to stop this anxiety thing. This is why, you know, no one's dying here. Sometimes if you try too hard, it doesn't work. And sometimes in life, you need to ease up a bit. And you've got to be focused enough, but relaxed enough. And when you just do 80% rather than 100%, sometimes it's a bit of a better result. Sportsmen say that sometimes as well. Obviously, they're 100% focused, but sometimes they just let go a little bit. And then the genius comes out. Let's come to number five. Come on, you wine genius. You, what do you think of number five? Ah, uh, Dr. Lucen. Back to Dr. Lucen. Yeah, so it's Mosul. Back to the Mosul, which obviously where Dr. Lucen hangs out in the, in the Mosul. How's the colour here? Are we still pale lemon? Not as pale as the um, first one, but not as deeply coloured as slightly poorer kidney functioning uh, than number six. Riesel Cabinet. Right, I'm going to smell this baby. So it's different from number one, Dr. Lucen. There's a sharpness. Oh, it's much sweeter. Much, much, much sweeter. So we've gone from Dr. Lucen Dry, number one, to Dr. Lucen Medium Sweet, I think, here. Sometimes people struggle. Sweet wines, as we discussed in season one, not as popular now as they were 50, 100 years ago. But actually, sometimes you need a bit of sweetness, particularly when you're dealing with high levels of acidity in a very cool climate like Germany. And frankly, wine number five, which is Medium Sweet, I think is lovely. To me, it's balancing out that acidity. Right, I shall declare that I totally agree. I'm not naturally drawn to sweet wines. Bad press in the 70s, Abigail's party kind of thing. That is lovely. It reminds me of the one we had. It might even be very similar to the one we had in 
season one, and that is lovely. I would love to share a bottle of that with my wife and some sushi. I think I'd possibly like it even more than the original one. So how are you finding Dr. Lucent number five with your previous favourite, which was Austrian Camtal number three? Well, they're completely different. Okay, in terms of the fact that... No, I've got some. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Richard very kindly offered me his glass, thinking that I might have necked the, the, all the other... I've actually got some food. I would say, simply from the wow factor, I take a sip of it and go, oh, lovely. I would go for five. I go for the sweeter... Dr. Lucent, but I was very taken with the, the camp tail. So those are definitely, without a shadow, my top two. This is fun now. My confidence is growing, and the reason is I'm easily telling the difference between the wines, and I'm easily uh, working out which I like and which I don't. And also, I'm, I'm liking all of them to some degree, and I feel my palate sort of flourishing uh, in, its, in its education as the various buds therein are triggered by the chemicals flowing through. Excellent progress. Now what I want you to do, well, before you check, taste wine number six, yeah, yeah. we're getting excited about Dr. Luce number five. We are. We like Camptal Austria number three. Go back to wine number two. This is the Australian Eden Valley Riesling. Eden Valley is a cool, Riesling needs a cool climate and Australia is a hot country. So you've got to find cool parts of Australia. There aren't many parts. And Eden Valley is quite cool. Bit of altitude, which keeps it nice and cool at night time retains the acidity that you need in Riesling. Often it's quite distinctive Australian Riesling. Without me telling you, is there anything, retaste it now, is there anything you're finding in there? You may not like the wine, but are you spotting anything about the Australian Riesling that may, is maybe different to the European, the German, the, the um, Austrian Riesling? Well, I can't say slate or mineral. I don't know, I almost want to say hydrocarbon. I don't know, uh, from chemistry. Maybe I'm thinking of chemistry sets. That's the only thing I can think of, which, which makes me not enjoy it that much. You're spot on. There is that hydrocarbon thing. Often people call it a petroly or a gasoline type thing. Why do you want to take gasoline in your wine? Most people are saying. <laughs> it's just a distinctive thing about Riesling. Personally speaking, I find this, this bone dry, this Eden Valley Australian Riesling. It's tasting of lemon. It's got a really lime note, actually, like lime cordial, slightly oh, petroly. help now. That I've got. That I 100% got. As soon as you said cordial, right, <laughs> that triggered lime cordial as opposed to sort of lime on um, Thai noodles or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God, absolutely 100%. So it's very distinctive. This is why Riesling, this goes back to the point of us looking at Riesling. It has so many different hats, so many different faces, if you like. You cannot just pin Riesling down and say Riesling is this. We're tasting dry Rieslings. We've had a medium sweet Riesling. We've had slaty, stony Riesling. We've had quite rich, fruity Riesling, the Austrian one. The Australian one is all about lime and petrol. What the hell is all that about? And we've concluded, going back to Dr. Lucen, that his little bit of sweetness in wine number five is actually probably for our palate making it a little bit easier to drink because we're bouncing up that high acidity. So that's quite useful, but we've got one wine to go of. Oh, yes. Wine number six, dive in. Oh wow, something completely different. By the way, this is the 2020 Jordan Malifera Latte Harvest Riesling from Selenbosch, which as we know is in Sizivrika. Because do you know what? I panicked, Rich. Because when I tasted number one and number two, I thought, oh God, these are really similar. <laughs> and then since then, I've become more and more relaxed mm. because these are very, very different babies, as you predicted, slash promised. Oh wow. So rich. It's rich. 
It tastes oily in the mouth, but it's a fully sweet Riesling. It's tasting to me of complex kind of peachy stone fruit and tropical fruit. Tropical, definitely. So pineapple for me. Pineapple, mango, really mango. Oh, mango, yes. Really Maybe mango. Lychee. Lychee. Crazy here? No, 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 no. You're spot on. All of that. And it's got a kind of marmalade kind of note as well, like yes. kind of a kind of lime or yes. orange marmalade. Orange probably, I'd say. Orange marmalade, I think, rather than lime. I suspect there's been a little fungus at play here. Have, you, have we discussed noble rot? We have indeed, yes. And oh the, dear, yeah. yes, terrible. <laughs> terrible thing, but, but turned out to be an interesting thing. Absolutely. So I suspect, basically, the noble rot. So I suspect the grapes here probably got a bit rotten in the morning due to some autumn mists around the harvest time, which is when noble rot happens. But the reason it's noble rot is it, it has the good noble sense to disappear in the afternoon when the sun comes out, <laughs> which prevents the grapes completely rotting, otherwise they would be unusable. But the effect of the rot is that the fungus punctures the skins of the grapes, the Riesling grapes, so therefore they lose water because grapes' biggest component is water. And therefore all of sugars, the flavours are concentrated as a result of the noble rot. And you end up with this incredibly sweet, concentrated wine. Isn't it lovely? I really love it. Again, I was so nervous to begin with because number one came out. I don't really like that. Number two came out. I like that even less and it tastes the same. <laughs> and then it, it's then we've had a lovely roller coaster. Now tell me, how far away from a dessert wine is... Um, this uh, this lovely Riesling from um, Stellenbosch. It is not far away at all. Oh, right, good. <laughs> it's right in the middle of dessert wine territory. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got the sweetness. And when it comes to pairing wine with food, and we'll do some more of this in the series, golden rule with sweet desserts is just make sure that your wine is sweeter than your dessert. Oh, we didn't say that before we talked about dessert wines. Yeah. That's a kind of important rule because if your wine is less sweet than your dessert, then you're creating a gradient of sweetness and therefore, relatively speaking, your wine's going to taste pretty dry compared to your dessert. People may have made, had this thing happen before where you've ordered a spectacular or just even a really lovely bottle of wine with your meal. Let's say it's a dry red or dry white wine. You're enjoying it so much. You get to your dessert, you forget to order a dessert wine, and you carry on drinking your dry wine with your sweet dessert, and the wine tastes horrendous. Yeah, yeah, it would, of course. Of course. Obs. Yeah. <laughs> to use the modern vernacular. Yes, obs indeed. Obs indeed. Natch. Natch yeah. and obs and all of that stuff. Are people so lazy, they can't say obviously. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I don't know, whatever. Um, so yes, 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 this would be beautiful dessert wine. So you could have this with creme brulee or your chocolate roulade or whatever you want really be great with blue cheese as we discussed in season one I love blue cheese with um, sweet wine just tasting this wine six again old other than the sweetness are you tasting the complexity yeah yeah, yeah. well I, I tasted sherry as soon as I as soon as it touched my lip I don't know whether that equates to complexity but, well um, you're linking that with the sensation of sweet sherry from which your brain is used to absolutely right but what in terms of what so we've got the sweetness of a sweet sherry here but what we've also got is some really beautiful, complex, kind of really lovely, fresh and dried fruit, like dried apricots, that marmalade taste, just really delicious. And the beautiful thing about Riesling, bringing us back to the start of this whole discussion and this ep about Riesling, sometimes there's a lot of stuff talked about. Are we going to use oak barrels? I don't like oaky Chardonnay. 
Are we going to do creamy buttery stuff that you can do tricks in the winery? Are we going to use the dead yeast from the fermentation to give it a bit of a biscuity flavour? You can do all this stuff with white wine making, but you don't do it with Riesling because Riesling is naturally aromatic, has wonderful floral and fruity characteristics. And as we've tasted here, can be very stony as well, which some people love. You actually need to do very little winemaking. You don't need to fiddle about. You just need to ferment the juice and maybe blend grapes from different vineyards. Maybe some grapes are slightly riper than others. So you, in other words, so you can get a real kind of palette of different flavors. For example, a vineyard that's really facing the sun, that's really, really ripe, will have more tropical fruits because of the extra ripening than a cooler vineyard site that's probably only going to be taste of maybe apples or a bit of peach. So it's all about the beauty of the earth, really. It's about the viticulture, very simple winemaking, no oak, no fancy fiddling around. And the greatest thing about Riesling is because it's got this penetrating high acidity, which preserves the wine, if you've got really lovely fruit concentration, you can age these wines for years and decades and they become more and more smoky and complex the older they get. Whether we like them or not, of course, it's all down to our personal taste. It's not people telling us, you must like this wine. And out of the six old, let's just repeat, which ones are you going for? I loved the Austrian, uh, number three, the 2020 Alram Geisberg. And I uh, really quite like the Alsace, but I'm going to go for number five, the, the, the sweeter uh, of the Dr. Lucens, but um, a, an honourable mention uh, to the Stellenbosch, to the South African one as well, which I thought was absolutely lovely, but sort of was borderline dessert wines. Let's go for Dr. Lucens, number five. What about you? If I could only take one, well, we're talking about one favourite wine, to the old desert island. Well, first of all, the, the shortlist would be wine number one, the dry Dr. Lucens Mosel. The Austrian Camtel number three, lovely. I'm going to go for... Wine number three, the Riesling from Austria. I'm taking number three and you're taking number five. Yeah, that's right. And we've done it. Okay, good. That was amazing. That was, I mean, I always knew it was going to be fun, but I was, you know, worried that I wasn't going to get anything out of it or I wasn't going to have anything, you know, to say of merit. But I'm actually quite pleased. A, to make lots of differentiations between the wines and definitely, definitely have some I favour more than the others. So that was good. Do you feel as though you know Riesling better now? Oh, 100%. Oh, golly. I say 100%. That's what the kids are saying, <laughs> right? My son says it the whole time. He says it 100% of the time. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, you, you gave a good brief, which was expect uh, variety. Because, of course, I wasn't really expecting variety because I'm still something of an empty. So I think, well, one grape, it's going to be relatively similar. And that surprised me how different those very slaty wines were, one and two. Uh, together with a very gentle number three from Austria, and then the two almost dessert wines, five and six, and again the the, the rather um, confusing Alsace, which actually I quite liked as well. So uh, totally, I do. I'm going to completely forget it. So I'm glad we've got an audio record of it uh, that we could probably make into a podcast episode. But yeah, uh, I, I certainly know enough about Riesling, but I've also learned that that the variety of wines exists in so many different dimensions not just the grape variety but within the grape variety uh, which makes it even more uh, uh, complex to understand what to order when the wine list comes out but makes it more interesting so oh that was pretty fun wasn't it doing all that stuff in six seven pound wow with the reasoning do we have a good time do you think there were reasonings to be cheerful 
De oh, very, oh, very nice. Yes, there was. Uh, I think uh, there were very many glasses. Uh, so more than more than three. Yeah, it's a nice place. Quite quite posh and upmarket, but I think we just about fitted in. The wines were nice. I was quite surprised at how different they were and how I could tell the difference between all of them and pick out a favourite. So it was good. Yeah, Riesling, one of my favourite things, if we're now going off into Mary Poppins. <laughs> Let's not sing Sound of Music, actually. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Catch you later, I'll wonder what's in store next time. Let's see. OK, thanks, Rich. Great Cheers, time. Bye. Bye. Bye.